You're listening to the Triple P Parenting Podcast from 612 ABC Brisbane. For more information, visit abc.net.au slash Brisbane. Alan Ralph is from the Triple P Positive Parenting Program. We get him in each each week or so to talk about this. And many parents, Alan, have phoned in, I think often a little frustrated with the monosyllabic answers of their children when they're trying to engage with them. They're trying to connect with them. They're trying to have a meaningful relationship with their kids. And they get, nah, don't know, sort of, nothing. <laughs> morning to you. Good morning to you, Steve. You know the story. Absolutely. And you probably know the teenager. Oh, there's a lot of them out there. A lot of them out there. That behaviour, yeah. <laughs> they often tend to be boys, sadly. Uh, yes, maybe that's true. Um, I guess, I mean, the issue is that... Uh, I think the thing about that song for me is that it, it certainly captures the teenager's response. I'm not sure it captures the parent's response quite as accurately. A lot of our teenagers... Um, I think the starting point is that people are busy. And often, by the time their kids are teenagers... There's not a lot of time to have those kind of casual conversations. And there's lots of things parents want to talk to their kids about. And I think what happens is that teenagers become quite wary of conversations with their parents because often, uh, in their experience, the conversation is around something the parent either wants them to do, doesn't want them to do, wants to know why they haven't done it, and wants to know why they haven't done what they're going to do. And so they're kind of very um, cautious about engaging in a conversation because they know where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought the other side of the story was another song, Harry Chapin's Cats in the Cradle, mm, Yeah, you know, where the son becomes yep. like his father. You know, In other words, it's learned behaviour. Yeah. You know, the son sees his dad sitting down, beer on the belly, watching mm. TV, not communicating with his wife, and only talks when he wants the keys to the car. Yeah. And lo and behold, the son becomes the father later on in life. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, I guess, is that if you think about general conversations, um, you know, someone sees you in the morning, they're saying, oh, how are you today? And they don't actually want you to tell them. They just want you to say, oh, I'm fine, thanks, how are you? Uh, they don't want a detailed, in-depth conversation. And I think a little bit of that can spill over into our discussions with teenagers, that, that we have to accept that our first inquiry is likely to be met with some kind of guarded, minimalist response, and we have to be prepared to push past that to demonstrate that we're actually seriously interested in having a conversation. The other critical thing about this is that in order to develop a relationship where the kind of conversations parents want can happen, as compared to the one we've just heard on the song, really needs a strong investment on the part of the parent in terms of giving a message that the parent is interested in what the teenager is interested in. Too often, the conversation is built around what the parent's interested in. Um, and it doesn't always mesh with what the teenager's interested in. And that requires the parents to really get to know their kids' interests, uh, find out what they're interested in, and have a conversation about that, which does not start off with a kind of inquiry which signals to the teenager, here comes another interrogation. That often happens, I think, needs to happen in the first, you know, what is it, first, you know, for a few seven years of life. Mm. And for one or both of the parents, the big problem thing, or that interferes with that is that they're often incredibly busy work-wise. Yes. Today, often, two, both parents are working, mm -hmm. trying to pay off that damn house, yep. uh, and they've got a major problem. Yep. If one of them stops working to engage mm -hmm. more with their kids, they can't pay off that That's house. That's right, yeah. 
Um, and so they've got a choice they can rent yeah. or raise your kids. Yeah, and so the secret <laughs> there is to look for small opportunities to have those positive conversations. The, the, the challenge, I think, is that because exactly as, what, as you've said, there are a few opportunities, and when parents have got an issue they want to deal with, they take that opportunity when it comes along to try and deal with it. I want to talk to you about your dirty room or the fact you haven't done your homework. Um, and that's not an, a pleasant experience for the teenagers. So their strategy typically is to avoid or to decrease the opportunities for those conversations, which makes it more difficult for the parents. So they've got to go start looking for them almost. Um, and what they have to do is to reverse that process. The casual opportunities need to be only about positive communication, positive conversations. If you've got an issue with your teenager, make an appointment with them. Sit down at some time <laughs> when you've both got nothing on and talk about it then. But don't use those casual opportunities for what often turns out to be quite negative, coercive conversations. Can I drop an ABC Radio newsreader right in it? God, you've got kids, haven't you? <laughs> yes, I do. Do you find that the boys are more monosyllabic than the girls? My boys are still quite young. Okay. And my daughter's... A- recent teenager mm-hmm. and she's not monosyllabic <laughs> you've got the opposite problem i won't say it's a problem i love mm. that she's so articulate sometimes mm. i wish she wasn't as articulate sometimes <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it is. i think it's fascinating what you were saying and i think it's true of most people that you don't want to be attacked when you are in a calm state of mind anyway so yeah, yeah. do you find the time issue was difficult for, when sort of parenting for kids I think everybody has that issue nowadays, don't they? Yeah. yeah. You've got to look for opportunities that happen normally, like meal times, watching a show together, driving in the car just before bedtime. Make use of those times in ways that perhaps are just slipping by and not being used properly. Okay. Thanks for that. Look, I'll, I'll go to news headlines now because the AFL footballer Jonathan Brown has had the cheek to damage a car. Um, Jonathan Brown was okay, but the car was towed away. News headlines with Gail Burke. Gail, good morning Steve, again. Good morning. We'll make some other news first. The Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, has announced the government will establish a foreign ownership register for agricultural land. Ms Gillard says farmers, as well as the states and territories, will be consulted about the design of the register. Queensland's Treasurer Tim Nicholls says the federal government's mid-year budget update is a blow to families and businesses in the state. Tim Nicholls says $231 million of funding has been cut from Queensland, making it the worst affected state. Brisbane Lions captain Jonathan Brown has been cleared of serious injury after being hit by a car while on a training bike ride at Tullabudge on the Gold Coast early this morning. He was taken to a local hospital and received 10 stitches to his elbow. But the car was towed away. And the car <laughs> might not be as well off. Two Brisbane, in other news, Steve, two Brisbane bus passengers have minor injuries after the vehicle they were travelling in came to a sudden stop in Kelvin Grove this morning. One passenger was taken to the Royal Brisbane Hospital in a stable condition. And two members of the Russian punk band Pussy Riot have been sent to labour camps, which are notorious for their tough conditions. The pair were jailed for hooliganism months after they performed a protest song against Russian President Vladimir Putin. That's the threat for the children next week. Is that right? <laughs> I'll send you to a Russian labour camp. Gailberg, thank you very much. This is 612 ABC Brisbane. My guest is Alan Ralph. Alan is with the Triple P Positive Parenting Program. Alan, uh, Mr BF3 sent me a tweet saying... That's how I talk to my wife, and she hates it. Exactly. <laughs> it's a problem. Is I mean, the, the, you know, the boys, their re- our reduced language well, lexicon seems to play out later on in life, doesn't it? As well, when we become adults, when boys become men, you know, the, the behaviour is repeated. Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, I think the other thing that really is important is is, is about time and timing. Mm. Um, 
you got to pick your time if you want to have a conversation with your kids. Um, doing it the minute they walk through the door, you know, after school or coming home late is not the best time to, to have a conversation other than just a very brief recognition and acknowledgement. Hey, it's good to see you. Um, because you, you, the timing needs to be suitable for both of you and not just when the parent wants to talk. Is there a specific age that language starts to change or even dry up in, in boys? There's, there's, I keep, I've interviewed people in the past who say there's a real difference uh, in, in, in men and women, that women have a lexicon that's something like 40,000 words more than men and they use it. Whereas men tend not to. Yeah, certainly some evidence to show that communication and language skills um, happen earlier in girls and become developed faster in girls. But I think it's, I think it's more of a social thing um, as they get older because, I mean, a lot of kids do have that kind of control of language. It's just that they don't use it. Um, and, and I'm sometimes wondering whether there's a perception that it's better to not make a lot of conversation because... You put yourself out there, you put yourself at risk for being criticised or for being shown to be wrong or for being made a fool of. Um, and I think there's, there's some safety in, in keeping it brief uh, in terms of those kind of situations. I'm hypothesising here, but are boys a lot more sensitive than they're given credit for? I think they are. Yeah, I think they are. Um, I mean, you've got to accept the fact that there's a whole range of differences across the spectrum and that some boys are much more sensitive than perhaps are thought to be and others less so. Um, so I don't think you can generalise and say, well, all boys are far more sensitive than we think. You um, never let me generalise, Alan. <laughs> you, you don't generalise anything. It, it is a problem for us as psychologists, but, but it's clearly borne out by evidence that, you know, we are very different. We are a product of uh, different genetic inheritances. And although gender clearly does create some differences, um, sometimes they're not as big as we think. Uh, when do they grow out of it? Mm. Or don't they? I mean, the, the indication... I, I have some you know, girlfriends who, you know, on their second husband, mm. yeah. found that many of them believe that men don't grow out of it, whatever mm. it may be for yeah. the man. Well, I think it depends on the environment that you're in to some extent. I mean, if you're mixing with a group um, who speak that way, then you're likely to continue to speak that way. If you are mixing with a group where detailed conversations about politics or life or other activities is, is rewarded and, and can, becomes part of regular conversation, then um, you're likely to develop that repertoire. So I think, I mean, if you go to social events, it's, you know, it's not uncommon to see people who really don't know what to talk about. They've, they've never had an experience. They've never learned at home to have conversations around the, the, the dining room table about what's happening today in the world, what's on the TV news, you know, what's happening politically, what's happening um, in their environment, in their neighbourhood. And if those things don't happen and aren't kind of strengthened and reinforced, then um, people are unlikely to develop those skills. My guest is Alan Ralph from the Triple P Positive Parenting Program. An audio file of this interview is available on my blog later on today and you can download it and listen to it at your leisure. Can you do anything to coax them out of their shell? If they're starting to, the boys in particular, are starting to close in and yeah. give mono, can you coax them out at all? I think you can. Um, I mean, you have to be careful about it. But, I mean, it comes back to what I was saying earlier. First of all, find the right time. Secondly, talk about things that you know they're interested in. And it doesn't mean you have to become an expert on you know, their music or, or their fashion or whatever, but you have to show interest. You have to show that you're interested and care about the things that are important to them. And so trying to draw them out is far, far more likely to be successful if you can find the things that interest them and, and to have a conversation about it and get them to tell you about it and teach you about it. Um, and, 
and listening more rather than talking and creating those opportunities where you can listen to what your kids are interested in. Thanks for coming in once again. Pleasure. You've been listening to the Triple P Parenting Podcast from 612 ABC Brisbane. For more information, visit abc.net.au slash Brisbane.